Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And welcome to spring and what a lovely spring day it truly is. And I know we've all been waiting patiently in a very long time to just get a little bit of sun on our backs, I think. Uh, yeah, I think myself included. I'm a winter girl. <laughs> lovely Bev Daring will look after you today if you ring on on 94841927. The equally lovely John Glidden is our researcher standing by. He assists us with so much behind the scenes in the program each week. And you can email us today too if you'd like to go to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout out to the unique Alan Simons uh, for his breakfast program this morning. And Alan was supported by the equally unique Rob Miller. Thank you very much, boys. And not forgetting our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan. And Jim will be back next week at around 10 to 8 to talk to all those enthusiasts out there that are in their lycra. (laughs) Faye Caro, good morning. Good morning, Ray. What sort of week have you had? another busy week but I did manage to get out in between the showers and do a bit of uh, weeding and the thoughts that go through my head when I'm weeding oh all the planning and the letting go of worries and wondering Mm. why we weed why 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 do we weed well we a lot of us like myself I don't want my whole garden taken over by them that's why I weed. Exactly. Well, and, and also our level of pride. When you look mm. at a weedy garden... Take it, something away from it. It, it does. Mm. And if you get out there and you pull the weeds out, you can then stand back and be proud of your achievement. Mm. But when you're weeding, it's very meditational. So you do, mm. you can work through worries. You can get let go of stresses. Yeah. It gets your body moving, stretching yeah. and pulling and yeah. doing all those things. And sometimes it will actually choke a plant. So if you leave mm. it too long, you the weeds will it. outcompete yeah. your prized plant. So yeah, quite right. another good reason, get out there and just do a little pocket. Don't, don't try and do the whole try, lot no, in one go. No, that's right. Just make a start. Because that's what puts people off. They do it. They absolutely exhaust themselves and think, oh, I can't face that again. Well, so if you've only got 10 often, minutes mm. on these cold mornings while the seat's warming up in the car, go yeah. and pull a few weeds. But don't leave them on the same spot of dirt mm. because if the rains come, they just turn their roots over and go straight back down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're survivors, they aren't sure they? Is are. that a word? <laughs> yes, they know how to survive. All right, now this morning at 20 past eight, we're chatting with Angie Thomas, Horticultural Communications Manager and author of the new Yates Garden Guide. That will be very interesting uh, to learn all about how this new book has uh, been updated. And uh, we're our studio guest this morning. We're talking roses today with Bob Melville, King, the King of Roses in Perth. And uh, we're going to do a big Q&A on everything rose related. And we're also taking all of your regular gardening questions. So it's not just about roses, it's about whatever 
our listeners want to talk about. We're in Marangaroo saying hello to Daphne. Good morning. Good morning. Could you tell me if gum mulch is any good on the garden? It can be, Daphne. Have you got a lot of gum trees in your garden? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, I've got, I've had one taken out and where they've ground the stump, it's just like sawdust. Yes. It looks very fine. Is this all right or not? It's not ideal, and I know exactly what you're talking about. If you've still, well, you'll still have the roots in the ground and you get a lot of, yes, swarf and sawdust, um, I would spread that around. It will break down like any um, gum tree. Now, did you have the the tree actually mulched? No. Okay. I thought that may have been what you meant about gum tree mulch. It was just just the roots. Okay. the stump and the roots, and it's very, very fine. And I wondered whether, if you put it on very lightly, would it be all right? Because I doubt if the rain would get through it. Yes, and I imagine you've got quite a volume of it, so nothing no, will... Not too... Yeah, it's not too bad. I'll, I'll just bag it up. Well, and even just spread it around, because in the scheme of things, a little bit will just break down in the ground but if it's in a big clump you you can't really plant into it no uh, i didn't think so no and, yes and it will take quite a, a while to break down if it is in a big clump so spread it around dilute it and that won't hurt no not at all okay thank you very much you're welcome thanks daphne okay. cheers Bye. for that and yes, lines are open nine four eight four one nine two seven. I know we had massive problems with our phone lines last Saturday morning. Uh, I think I have been, <laughs> been advised that they've been uh, repaired, but I think by now, certainly within a week, mm. they hopefully should have been. We'll find out as the show progresses. Mm. And I've got my seventy-five dollar gift voucher to give away to Bigger Trees as well. Looking forward to giving that away sometime this morning. And quite an easy question, John put together but a question that will make you all think a little bit mm, uh, yes. he's very crafty is our John Glidden yes and so let's maybe do a few emails before we end up chatting with uh, Angie Thomas from certainly Yates. certainly well this one came in a few days ago and it's from Lee who has lots of bananas that are very ripe so she hasn't gotten around to eating them family and friends have had enough of my baking using them is it possible to cut them up and put them in the bottom of pots or even in the hole before planting over them? I don't want to encourage the local pests, rats and mice, mm. but I don't want to throw them out. Unfortunately, I don't have a recycle bin yet as having moved into my new house six weeks ago. What a shame that they they would actually be um, thrown into the garden because they're overripe. I tell you what, when... My bananas are getting a bit overripe in the fruit bowl and starting to blacken. I just throw them in the freezer mm-hmm. with their skin on. And then when it's time to make a banana cake, out come three at a time and they make the best banana cake. Yeah. So before they get too old, too horrid. Yeah. Save, save them. And of course, if you are prepared in advance, dehydrated banana chips are just the best. Mm. So, mm. Uh, yes, putting them into... Pots, I would probably put them into a compost if you mm. have that or even a bakashi bucket. 
Mm. Uh, because you you then don't have the smell, they break down, they're adding nutrients and they're going back into the garden. I think maybe if you do put them in a pot, uh, you could have trouble with rats because they they can dig. If there mm. are rats in the area, they certainly could target something like that. Because so you, the, the you wouldn't scent... put them into the ground? You wouldn't sort of, I don't know. You could dig a hole and yeah. put them in. Yeah. Uh, Mine would go to volume. my worm farms, mm. yeah. But she was saying she's just moved and she doesn't have anything set up as yet. So, yeah, it's a it's a digging it's, a hole in the ground yeah. because you don't want to be mucking around. Some sometimes recycling can just take too long mm. if you if you're doing it in small bits. So dig a hole, throw them in the ground. Next time, think ahead, work mm. out what you're going to mm. do with them, and get onto it. Mm. One of those rainy days, cut up all your bananas and put them in the dehydrator or in the oven and I must get a dehydrator actually yes well I've got one you can borrow I bought quite a big one Ray and Mm. I you know a lot of the time it just sits on the shelf Mm. so I'd rather pass it around and have it used have it have it used I wouldn't like to have a go actually okay okay um right we've got Mark online he's in Cottesloe and he wants to talk about yeah, his standard roses has dug roses up this will be interesting good morning Mark Yes, good morning, girls and uh, ladies. Um, I had the opportunity to pull out uh, about eight um, brass band standard roses because the house was being destroyed. Mm. And uh, I put them into um, in Woolworths bags, you know, the green bags with the, without the bottom in, and uh, so I potted them around with uh, good quality potting mix while I'm waiting to transfer them and I wanted to take them up into the hills and plant them up there in uh, what should I do next? Well, we have a rose expert joining us on the show this morning, Mark. So is it about planting them that you want the best advice? Have I done the right thing in putting them into potting mix in Woolworths bags in preparation? How long can I leave them in the bags before I take them and plant them? And uh, is it okay to plant them in sort of a laterite environment up in the the hills. Okay. What part of the hills are you going into? Um, it's it's a dwelling up. Oh, lovely. That's nice. Yeah, no, that'll be fine. Mm. I, I do believe you've done all of the right things. I, I don't think there's anything I would add to that. Uh, the bags are, are very handy because you can cut the bottom out and then you just slip them up over the top without damaging anything. So sometimes that's easier than upending a pot. Uh, yeah. Yep. And it sounds like the timing is right because it would have been their dormant time pretty much over the winter. And did you trim the roots and the tops? Yes, I did both of those things. I, I cut them back fairly severely, actually, but they seem to be okay. Okay. Brass band, they're beautiful, Rose. Absolutely gorgeous. Love love that colour. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, when are you going to plant them out, Mark? Within the next week. Is that, oh. an, is that okay? Sure. I think they'll survive yes, nicely. Perfect. Now, I could answer this question by just, um, you know, digging a good size hole twice the size of the root ball and improving the soil. But perhaps we'll hear from Bob when he comes in about recommendations for planting because he is the rose expert and has been doing this for many years. Mark, what do you think about that? I'll listen in. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Go well. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Bye now. Cheers. Okay. I think we can squeeze in another email. All right. So this is from a leader 
and she sent in a photo of a black and yellow wasp around an, a nest. And the nest is a honeycomb shape. It looks like it's made out of paper or fibre. And this is actually one of the paper nests. They're an introduced wasp to Western Australia and they are known for being very protective of their nests. So you you might have to be careful if it's near a back door or an area that people frequent. Uh, the wasps are wonderful to have in the garden as long as you give them respect. So if you know where the nest is, most of the time I leave them where they are and just make sure that children are not near it. So if it's up near a doorway, that's usually fine. If it's under a piece of furniture where people sit, that is a very different story. Mm. If you have to remove it, the best time is very late in the day where the sun has gone and you might just knock it off and move it away to somewhere else in the garden or spray with fly spray. You do not do that in the heat of the day when the wasps are very active because they will be on to you and you will Look very out. likely get mm, stung. Mm. They don't tend to be nasty if they're just around in the garden, they're taking nectar or hunting for caterpillars. Mm. But if you got near their nest, like bees, they can get very defensive. Now, what you want to look out for, or anyone else out there, watch out for the black antennae. If you find a, a black and yellow wasp and it's got black antennae, it often has a different mode of operation from these paper wasps, and that could be the European wasp. So they will come around to dog food, uh, meat, sugary drinks, and they they are nasty, mm. but they will have a nest in the ground somewhere. So just be really careful. The Ag Department or the Deep Herder have been onto them, and they're trying their best to eradicate these. So just be on the lookout for that. Many people will say they look like a bee, but to me, they... They don't look like a bee. They do look like a wasp. Mm. Having said that, I haven't actually seen one in real life. Okay. So that's a good thing. Got we, time for one more, yes. We received a lovely email from Bill and he has titled his email Rescued, Recycle and Reused. Ah, and yes. he found <laughs> some old glass light shades that a friend had uh, when they replaced factory lights with lead lights. Both ends are hollow or open with a metal base. And so he has uh, used a sealer on the small end, added a solar light and turned up the other way to make a mini greenhouse. Yes. So that's really clever. He's got calanchoes, uh, which are a lovely succulent, uh, looks like an aloe, aloe vera or similar. There's geraniums and Possibly a jade plant. So well done, Bill. Great to see people recycling. And being and, so creative and inventive. Yeah, and making mm. yeah a mini and getting, greenhouse. And getting the good results as well. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So thanks for sharing that with us. Okay. All right. Well, look, we'll have a break. And uh, when we return, we'll be chatting with Angie Thomas from Yates Garden Guide. Curtain Radio. So it's 22 minutes after eight. You are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening. And we have Angie Thomas online now. Angie is the Horticultural Communications Manager and author of the new Yates Garden Guide. Good morning, Angie. How are you going? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, gosh, when you say it like that, it, it's been such a wonderful honour to be able to 
to update the garden guide. I feel I felt a great sense of responsibility, but it's just been an awesome process to to be able to update a gardening book that that came out in the late 1800s. So it gives me goosebumps, but I'm so pleased it's done. Well, Angie, you've had some some great authors come before you, I have to say, but I I think you put your own style on this, which is really lovely. I I love another one of your books about how to grow edible plants. And I was just saying to Ray, I've got a few old garden guides, one that my grandmother recently gave me, and she's 99, and it's got a few pages missing because grandchildren have done projects and whatnot. And I was just saying that in the older edition, it had older-style gardens, whereas in this edition, it refers back to those gardens, and it's just a chapter. Look, I really wanted to make sure that we kept some history in in the Yates Garden Guide, and it was really interesting to watch how gardeners and gardening and garden styles have evolved yeah. over the years. and And I hope some of the the, um, the information and the pictures that are in the his, history section of the Garden Guide, people can look through that and think, "Oh, I know a house in my neighbourhood that's just like that," or "I remember Grandma or Grandpa's garden; it was like that." I think it's really important to include that because it shows how far we've we've come. But also some people are interested in recreating those historical gardens and and what we used to plant. Um, It's also been really interesting to see how far we've come um, with the style of of plants and how we protect our gardens. It's it's really an interesting uh, snapshot of life in general, actually. It's a a really wonderful book. Well, one of the, the sections that I particularly noticed, and it comes under vegetables, is attracting birds and bees to the garden. Now, I don't know that I've seen that in one of the previous garden guides, or have I just missed it? There's been a little bit of information, but in this new edition, I really wanted to make sure that we we looked at gardening in quite a holistic manner. And I think attracting birds and bees into the garden is not only beneficial for your garden, but it's also beneficial for us as well. It's lovely to see birds and butterflies and and bees flitting around the garden. Um, And and also all the flowers that we can grow attract predatory insects, and that's really good for garden health as well. So that's uh, some new information in the garden guide. I've really beefed up the organic gardening in the garden guide as well and there's more information about growing um, edible plants and a whole range of uh, plants in small spaces because backyards tend to be shrinking rather than growing larger and people are gardening in patios and courtyards and on balconies so hopefully I've tried to capture all the different types of gardeners that there are these days and all their different needs and so Every one of those people, whether they're a, um, a rusted-on green thumb or a brand newbie, and we've got a lot of new gardeners yes. that have come to gardening through the COVID lockdown. That's right. Can pick up the garden guide and find out all sorts of information on a wonderful range of topics. Very good book to start with, I'd say, for those that have just discovered gardening in the last year or 18 months. Well, a little bit of a Bible. It's interesting because my dad always had one. That was what he referred to. My grand, mm. my other grandparents had one. So I've now got five or so. Um, it was always on the bookshelf and it was always the one that came out if you wanted to know it was, uh, anything. Yeah, yeah your, it was your go-to. So what mm. number is this? This, for Australia, is the 45th edition. and. Which is just amazing. And yeah, there's been more than 7 million copies of the Yates Garden Guide that have been sold since it was first published in 1895. Wow. That's a lot of gardening enthusiasm sure right is. there. And, and you're similar to me is that 
I've got quite a few different garden guys at home and I can't bring myself to throw them away. Oh, I, no. I, no, I, no. I'm having this lovely, lovely collection and I, I imagine that um, that we're no different to, to your listeners and they've got a collection of garden guides at home too. Uh, and Angie, how often is the book updated? It's anywhere between three and, and five years. Okay. Um, so we, we like to, to keep it fresh um, and, and new garden styles and interests and ways of living and products uh, come about. So it's really important that we do try to keep it uh, refreshed every few years. But, um, uh, yeah, so we're really quite proud of, of this one and I, I hope people enjoy enjoy reading it. It's going to be available from about mid-September. So oh, that was my next question, yes, because I want to get my, yeah. little, my little hands on it. So mid-September it will be available generally in bookstores and probably online. Yes, um, there are some online booksellers that you can pre-order it at, okay. at the moment, but um, it's coming out, uh, as you mentioned, bookstores, also department stores and um, online booksellers be available from mid-September. Um, and, and I hope people will uh, make themselves a nice hot cup of tea and sit yeah. down and, and be inspired. Um, also, you can dip in and out of the, uh, the Yates Garden Guide at various times of the year as well because you think, okay, it's uh, it's September, what can we plant now? And there's really comprehensive selling and growing calendars as to what we all should be doing at this time of year or yeah, in the middle of winter or in autumn. Yeah, very useful. Always, always things to keep um, uh, people busy throughout the year. There's no quiet time in gardening. Never, never. To do. So, Angie, was this your first revi- revision of, of the Garden Guide? It, it has been. I, I've been involved um, in, in previous editions, but in smaller parts. But this was the first opportunity that I've had to look at it um, in its entirety. And as you said, I am um, standing on the shoulders of some very talented authors that have come before me. Judy Horton was my predecessor, yes. and, and she's just she's gardening gold. And so she mm. has done a, quite a few revisions over the years. So I'm, I'm blessed to be able to carry that on. Um, but yes, this is this is my first crack at the garden garden. And, and I, I'm, I'm proud as punch. I'm very, very, very pleased. Well, congratulations. I yes. think you've done a fantastic job. And Ray asked if we had a book to give away, and I'm going to give away no. this book. Yes, Ray. Yes. It's the least I can <laughs> Such do. Such sacrifice. <laughs> I know. I Well, you know, I, I have a bookshelf of Yates Garden Guides already, and I, I'm quite happy to give this one away. Share the love. That's very kind. <laughs> Sharing is caring, my granddaughter's learning. So you have to lead by example. Oh, that's precious. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope your lucky um, winner will enjoy reading it as much as uh, um, I've um, enjoyed creating this latest edition. Well, there's also a section in here, Gardening for Children, isn't there? And gardening with kids is so important on so many levels. So one, it, it helps keep them busy and, and all the parents um, that have been, uh, whether it's been homeschooling or uh, school holidays, um, keep the kids busy with something that keeps their, um, their, their minds busy as well. But they can learn so much. And there's lots of different um, types of learning that you can be involved in gardening, whether it's maths, you, you're planting different seeds at different depths and different spaces apart, and there's science, and you can watch seeds germinate and grow and how they lean towards sunlight. 
there's some really fantastic general learnings that kids can have from gardening. But one of the most important things is that if kids are involved in growing healthy food, they're much more likely to be able to um, have a love of eating that. Yes. So before you plonk some greenery on a child's dinner plate and they turn their noses and say, up. And you say, eat it. it. Yes. That's, mm. that's right. Mm. But if they've grown some baby leaf spinach or grown mm. their cherry tomatoes or their strawberries, then suddenly it's a sense of pride and excitement and they just can't wait to eat it. Well, so, on that note, one of the things that's very good the, that we have to learn as gardeners is patience. And when you, you when children garden, watching those peas develop and waiting, not picking them early, they have to, they have to learn to wait. wait. And I, I watch my granddaughter break off broccoli and eat it green straight from the garden and you know her mum just watched with surprise I suppose and I just I love it just love watching that sort of thing teaching them you know and if you don't pick it then it goes to flower and then you get beneficial insects come in and then you can save the seeds and there we go again Yes, it's it's wonderful. We we um, are harvesting peas at the moment, and and we treat them like garden lollies. So um, my my kids are a little bit older; they're almost twelve and fifteen, but they've always enjoyed fresh um, picked peas from the garden. Or they'll break off a um, asparagus spear and eat it raw in the garden. And it's just it's wonderful to watch small kids learn that and enjoy that and, and develop a passion for mm. uh, for fresh, healthy food. And so, Angie, what's your next project? Or are you just catching your breath at the moment? <laughs> oh, look, there's always, there's always yeah. another project. I think I'm going to write another uh, Yates Top 50 book. Oh. And, um, yeah, so stay tuned for that. It won't be available until um, this time next year, but um, that's what I'm going to be doing because my my, uh, my fingers are always itchy for gardening but itchy for writing about plants as Fabulous. well. So there's there's one in the wind. Okay, so well, where we're... are you talking to us from today, Angie? I live um, on the southwestern outskirts of Sydney, so not not in Sydney itself. So I'm lucky enough to be on five acres, and I have a big veggie garden and a large orchard, um, yeah. which is uh, it, it just it, it makes my soul happy to yeah. have that, that space to be able to play in. Um, and my family know that if I don't get a chance to garden uh, over the weekends, my my cranky pants come yeah. on. Yeah, oh, I, I know, know that feeling. What you're saying, Angie. Yeah, I can relate 100. percent Gardening. Is, it's uh, it's such a joyous thing, and, and to pick your own fresh produce or to see the bees in the orchard at the moment—it's just—it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, and gardening is a little bit addictive. So when people start and they have some successes, then uh, there'll hopefully be more gardeners in the world, and that would be a good thing. Oh, wonderful! Thank well, you so well much done. for sharing this morning, Angie. And uh, yeah, we certainly encourage listeners to check out the new Yates Garden Guide. Uh, in in stores available mid-September. Thank you so much for talking to me this morning. And and well done you. Take care. Thanks, Angie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers for that. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? It's a fabulous all-round book, isn't it? Mm. If you're going to buy a book with general knowledge, this is the one. Well, it is a must-have. It's, Mm. you know, it might be new, but for people who are new to gardening, you know, since COVID started, a lot of people jumped on the gardening bandwagon with varying success, of course. But this is very comprehensive. And like she said, that that calendar is gold. You can look at the time of the year and it will tell you what to plant in your vegetable garden. Do you grow up from seed or seedling? How, How big it will grow? Actually, often with your vegetables, you don't get that 
size guide mm. that you get with annual plants mm. because when you're planting an ornamental garden, it's all about look. So it'll tell mm. you how far to space things and how how yeah. tall things should grow. Mm. You don't always get that with the vegetable garden. Mm. As well. So, mm. no, I I will definitely be hunting that one down myself. Mm. Well, and we can give this one away when you're ready, Ray. Okay, 94841927. I think we might squeeze in another email. We could squeeze in another email. And what have we got here? We've got papers everywhere, right? It's been a busy, busy week with oh, very. spring arriving. This is from Wileki. And they have sent in a few photos that are, that was given to them, a plant in a pot, and it looks like a Kalanchoe, which, oh, my goodness, they are doing their thing at the moment. They are. Kalanchoe are a succulent. You, mm. you might pronounce it Kalanchoe. Mm. And these are just such hardy plants. Mm. They, they fill out. They make great borders. Uh, be careful because they can... Walk often, some will put down stolons so that mm. as they grow taller, they might grow to about 40 centimeters and then they'll lean and then they'll put down these roots, tall roots that will go into the ground and then they just spring up again. So they walk across an area very easy to cut back. I've got a beautiful border of dusky pinky orange and also a variegated leaf one. Mm. Belled Shakiana, I think it's called. This one has a white flower. So it's in a pot. You can keep it in a pot or you could plant it into the garden and let it let it uh, fill out and make a nice clump. But, yes, be careful because you will have to contain it if you want it in only a small space. But it is one plant that would make a great living mulch as it spreads. So if you've got areas that are very weedy this year and you're going in and you're pulling out all those weeds now, you make a basin around it, mulch around, plant a couple of these or three, and then they will fill and join together. So next year you won't have so many weeds. How, how much sun can they handle? They can take full sun. Full sun. Full sun. And they'll cope with dappled light. I've actually got them growing under gum trees. So mm. if gum trees are a problem and you can't get anything to grow, these succulents will do okay. And they just, they fill a border. Mm. So I'm now having to cut them back because they're encroaching on a driveway. Okay. okay. So, so I think if you Google that one too, the felt plant, uh, if you Google that, that will come up under there as well. So yeah, and there's, very interesting. There's a lot of varieties. There's some gorgeous mm. ones that are in full flower now, in bright colours: oh, red, yes. orange, very yellow, pink, mm. even white. And mm. they're a dwarf form. Mm. Make yeah, gorgeous winter colour. Great for brightening up a space. Grow yeah. easily from cuttings. No downsides to them. Not really, but yeah. I do find that you have to. Ref Fresh the plants. Yes. They get yes. a bit aged. Yes. Correct. And so like a bit like geraniums. You yes. propagate from them. Yes. Multiply and get get fresh plants. And also I think uh, snails and slugs might like, like them. them. Mm. Okay. Quite it's quiet. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. So what I think I'll do is I'll give away our 
Fabulous $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees up there in Pickering Brook. Now, I always like to give you some information about Bigger Trees each week. They have a fabulous, and this week I'm just going to say they have a fabulous website. If you go to biggertrees.com.au, incredible website with so much detail on it because it is a very large nursery and their range is uh, extensive. Uh, absolutely extensive and of course with the frangies you know they will be coming back soon and uh, they have a lot of rare varieties up there Mm. Uh, it's one of the few places where you can really go and get something just that little bit more uh, exotic so check out biggertrees.com.au now here's the question you must not have won a prize on the station in the last 28 days and you do need to be a Curtin FM member the question is botanists confuse us by saying a tomato isn't a vegetable And peanuts aren't nuts. So what do botanists classify a banana as? So I'll repeat the question. Botanists confuse us by saying a tomato isn't a vegetable and peanuts aren't nuts. So what do botanists classify a banana as? 94841927 if you'd like to win $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Okay, hop hop to it. And uh, (laughs) I'm not sure the lines are... uh, what's happening there at the moment because I can see all the lines have been put on hold so I don't know what's happening uh, on the other side out there but we will carry on. Okay, well, uh, now yesterday, Ray, we went to a lovely event for the opening season of Open Gardens WA and they have another members event on today. They do. Now, I will mention it because uh, it is for members but... A lot of people might not know that they can become a member to get these invitations to special events. And so the Open Gardens WA website has got all the information. The The season is kicking off yes. and today they have a tour of Muchet Tree Farm. And I'd love to so, have been able to go on that. Oh, it sounds extraordinary. Mm. It's in Archibald Street, Muchet. From 9 to 4.30, so you can hop along any time today. It is free, but they are taking gold coin donations for Red Cross. They have workshops. There is plant propagating, bring your own secateurs. And uh, what have we got here? As special members event during her open day, Natalie Valance will be leading two tours of her nursery and display gardens at Muche. Natalie is regarded as one of WA's leading growers of ornamental and native plants and has worked in the nursery industry for many years. So apart from supporting garden centres, retail outlets, revegetation projects, shires and landscapers, she is also a leading exhibitor at the Perth Garden Festival. So people who are regular attendees to that event will have seen her amazing displays and selection of plants. Mm. So she will be giving behind-the-scenes tour, showing people how her nursery works and taking them on a guided tour of the stunning display gardens that Mm. surround the nursery. I think that would be really, really interesting if Mm. people can get along to that. For sure. And is it just today or did you say today and tomorrow? Just today, today. 9 to 4.30. perfect. So. And yes, as as you mentioned, we attended the Open Gardens WA launch yesterday and uh, lots of people there and very exciting to hear uh, the improvements that are, that are happening with the, with the association and what we can look forward to between now and the end of the year and continuing yep. and fabulous gardens lined up. And we will keep you posted 
week to week with what is coming up and what you can go and see. It was lovely to, to see so many of, of the Open Gardens team, uh, members who have opened up their gardens previously and some of our Curtin listeners. And a special shout out to Sylvia and Keith because they like listening to where the dancing is on at Ray. So I talked about Cooley Rocks, which is where I got my floral dress from. So I got lots of compliments on that. And they're dancers, so they they listen out. And, of course, last night we headed off to the East Fremantle Footy Club Mm. after the event for a big night down there. Yes, as well. Okay, short break. When we return, Bob Melville will be joining us. Curtain Radio. Hope you're having a great morning. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ryan Fay and Bob Melville, the president of the Rose Society WA, has joined us. Bob, good morning. It's been a while. <laughs> morning, Ray and uh, Faye. So what have you been up to? Oh, lots of things. Yeah. Like yesterday. <laughs> yes. Uh, out with all the girls at uh, Swanbourne Beach. We weren't, oh. we weren't bathing. Is that a slight but... stretch of the truth or...? No, not slight. A massive that stretch. <laughs> did, did you go there when we went off dancing? You went down to the beach. Well, I was going to, but the girls said it was too cold. It could have been rather brisk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what yeah. did you think of the launch yesterday? Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. 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 Terrific. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to see enthousi- enthusiastic people that want to garden. Yes. And let's hope we can get the government to think about gardening as a very therapeutic, mentally fit, yeah. healthy people. So yeah. after the coronavirus, yeah. we need to look at gardening as one of the major things for revitalising our brain as well as our body. Yeah. And what's been going on in your garden? Uh, lots, yeah. Because you were going to open that, weren't you? I was and then it, yeah. I wasn't and then yeah. things happened. Knees started to play up. So yeah. I cancelled last year, but this year we're on for... Um, the 6th and 7th, I think, of um, November. Okay, wonderful. And then we've got uh, the uh, Perth Symphony Orchestra coming Ooh. to our place on the on the 13th of November. Oh, how lovely is that? And what would people expect to see in your garden? Uh, well, hopefully it's, it's <laughs> up to my, up to my uh, standard. A couple of roses in there? A couple, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only a couple. How many, Bob? Probably about 500. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> But not very many varieties. I, I I like to put in a mass display of one colour, but mainly pinks uh, that I've got mm. a lot of pink um, David Austins and things oh, like that. So mm, glorious. Yeah. Mm. So and it's only a very young garden. It's only a few years old. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, I was in contact with your son during the week, actually, because I'm chasing a, a, a blue rose, which, I mean, when I say that, I mean as close to a bluish hue as I can get. Obviously, it's mauve. And uh, you have a, a little catalogue in front of me, and al- already you caught my eye with the rose pictures on the front of that, the, yeah, the shade. Yes. Quicksilver. Yeah. And is that a new release? It's a new release, but new releases don't always come up to expectation. This is right. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you trialled it? No, no, it's only very new, very <laughs> <Okay>. new. <laughs> and uh, the Rose Society are up up to date with uh, a lot of the new varieties because some of the exhibitors like to try the new varieties. So, um, yeah, and the society is really going well at the moment. So I'm 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 really happy that we've got some good workers and it's a 
very friendly, happy society. And do you encourage more members, or we always in, encourage your membership? Yes, yeah. Our membership's uh, gone up by at least a third since I've been there. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we should talk about the elephant in the room, Bob, shouldn't we? Which big elephant? <laughs> the chili thrip. Don't look at me like that. Yeah. I, I know, only because I know, only because I know some people have resorted to pulling out roses yes, because of it. Yes. So, you know, what's what's your experience what's your, and um, um, yeah. what can well the latest roses... now is that um, chili. Someone said they they've got chili thrip now. Can't believe it, but who knows? Um, but chili thrip is—it just mutated from the the normal thrip. Mm-hmm. It came from um, Queensland about three years ago, and it's exploded this last uh, sure has you know twelve months. So the remedy that we're using at the moment, a bit like the coronavirus, uh, but <clears throat> it it can be controlled like thrip. Um, 30 years ago was really bad and there was nothing for it. But we've got some good products now that we can use to, to control it. The main thing is to to uh, listen to one person. Because there so there's a lot of information out yes, there, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, um, I hear that um, Mangaseb will kill it. Well, it's a very close friend of mine that says this and that's incorrect. Isn't Mancozeb a fungicide? Exactly. Mm. Mm. So unfortunately there's a fair bit of ignorance in in the community but using things like Congard and success uh, and we we find that just the normal rate isn't strong enough Right. so we double it. Really? We double it and we use um, about five mils per litre of washing up detergent and that softens the water. So where the leaf comes out from the stem, that's where it sits and if you don't get it right in there, it'll just reoccur. Mm. So we do it every week for three weeks. So that is working extremely well. And that's giving a result because it it really does get into the actual plant, doesn't it? Well, it gets in little spots yeah. where if you don't, if the water's not soft enough, yeah, it will, you know, it'll survive, and it's so minute that it, um, you know, it will survive underneath a part of a leaf or if it's not systemic. So three weeks, uh, that's what we've found that seems to work very well. And do you believe it overwintered in the ground? It, well, ground is the most important where to spray. Right. So we, you spray to the point of runoff. Yes, um, and and your apparatus. You know, some people have got use a litre for ten roses. Mm. Well, litre you would use for two roses. Right. Okay. So you really got to be you, so thorough. Yeah. And yeah. when you like <clears throat> with the um, fungus, uh, if you don't spray the ground, that's where everything sits mm. in the ground and. If you notice that when uh, you first see black spot, it's at the bottom of your rose bush. It's not at the top. Where it starts. So it starts from the bottom and then it jumps up. Okay. All right, we do have to have a short break and we do have a winner for our gift voucher, Lynn Potter from Subiaco. And I'll give you the answer to that curly question on the other side. Curtain Radio. 
Thank you for your company this morning. We do have free lines, 94841927. Now, getting back to our curly question for the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. It was won by Lynn Potter. And thank you for playing with us, everyone that participated this morning. The question was, botanists confuse us by saying a tomato isn't a vegetable and peanuts aren't nuts. So what do botanists classify a banana as? Now, the answer is a berry. We know a lot of people rang through and said a herb because the plant itself, yeah, is is a herbaceous perennial, but the actual fruit inside the banana is actually a berry. And just like grapes, kiwi fruit and tomatoes are also all berries. And then I continue on. This is from John. But unlike strawberries, raspberries and mulberries, which are not actually berries. So perhaps we won't go there. It's, it's, a, it's a whole new, it's a whole program, isn't it? So we don't seek to confuse you. But uh, it can, gardening, you know, it can be confusing. We, we'll get John in here next time and make <laughs> He can explain, explain further. <laughs> Yes, okay. So we do have some calls coming through and we will be going to the 9am news soon and George Minoldi will be joining you from 10am. Okay, carry on. So yeah, you were you were <laughs> talking you. about spraying and I just wonder do you just spray the rose and the ground below it? What what about all the other plants that chili thrip may be on because it's yeah, it's not just roses, is it? That chili no. thrip attacks. No, it's into the vegetable sure vegetables is. now. Yeah. Um, plus, um, you know, everyone thinks that uh, a rose spray is just for roses. It's registered for roses, but mm. not for other plants. Um, so you can spray anything that you what you use for roses. You can spray all over your other plants. It's not going to harm anything. People tend to think that. You know, if it's for roses, you can't spray anything else. Sure, I can understand people thinking that way. And if they were to use it on their vegetables, is it okay to put on their vegetables? Their vegetables have a does it have a holding period or? Well, if it's systemic, there's a fourteen day yeah. holding period. Mm. But if it's on vegetables, mm. uh, and I don't I don't know where it is at the moment, mm. as far as vegetables are concerned, mm. um, it's um, it's something that's going to get. Um, probably harder and harder to kill because it'll mutate again so if we can have some control and a lot of people pulling them out that doesn't solve the problem doesn't no because they'll it might have solved their problem (laughs) some of the roses that that i've seen Mm. uh, they're just about dead anyway Mm. so they could have been dug out yeah and unfortunately people think that because a, a plant is alive that it's doing something that they like it to they get one or two flowers a year and that's it. Those mm. those plants are just wasting water. Well, food, they've had it, yeah. And they've done their job and mm. they need to move on, mm. compost them, yeah. put them through the shredder. So we're just being asked to repeat your recipe for chilli thrip. Can you run through that again yes, for sure. us? Thank you. Um, using things like congard, which mm-hmm. is systemic, um, and success is exactly the same. Mm. We Normally, um, you would follow the guide as um, you know three mils per litre or whatever but what what we discovered now know know that um, we double it and it has a better control okay and we need to do it every three once a week for three weeks and then you you watch and sit back and see how you go you'll see the plant take off recover just about immediately Wow. And you said to add something to soften yes. the water? 
It's it's vital that you use some dishwashing liquid. To soften the water. Yeah, about five mils per litre. Okay, I'll write that down as well. Yeah, okay. Very good. So you'd spray all around the plant, all around all the, ground, the rows, yes. the ground, and the and whole bed well, around other can, plants? Yes. Mm. Uh, another thing is to do not prune it when you see it um, looking really bad. Well, so I think that's what gone. everyone did. Yes, and so that doesn't... Just trying to cut it out, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't allow the, the plant, if there's some good eyes there, to come out. The further you cut down, the longer it takes to, to start growing again. Mm. So um, you need to leave it until the plant recovers and then take off the, the bits that you don't like on it. It's only aesthetic. It's not going to mm. harm the plant. Okay. And and fear doesn't, you know, fear doesn't solve the problem. No. Ripping them out doesn't solve the problem. Mm. And Bob, should people, do you think people should do it as a preventative or should they actually wait and see if the pest becomes a problem this year? Yeah, that's a good question, Faye. Um, Thank you. Because <laughs> because um, we, we talk about winter sprays like lime sulphur. Mm. Lime sulphur is a summer spray. So I don't know really why they use lime sulphur in winter. Um, the the reason why I'm saying that is that um, uh, that it kills mites mm. and and rust on on roses and most other things. So if they want to do a preventative, if they're spraying now, uh, use the um, lime sulphur, but only half strength. And my recommendation for spraying for um, fungus. Is, is copper oxychloride, mm. which is readily available, um, it, and it helps control your snails and slugs yeah. at the same time. So you're doing two things, and I use the, the uh, copper oxychloride every every probably um, six weeks now, mm-hmm. but then I, I don't have to spray at all during mm. the, the, the spring and, and summer and autumn. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with using a, a, chemi- a chemical like copper, which uh, our soils lack copper. Mm. Um, it, it does a good job, but most people don't have a good spraying apparatus, and that's where they're going wrong. All right, we'll talk about that after the news. Temperature has jumped up to 12.1 and we're heading for a maximum today of 19. It will be mostly sunny. Overnight, you can expect a minimum of 7, which is quite brisk. Sunny day tomorrow for Father's Day, a maximum of 22. And on Monday, the minimum overnight will be 10. The day will be sunny and a maximum of 25. How fabulous is that? And also just getting back to our monthly rainfall, we're sitting at 18. Four millilitres at the moment, and the average for September is seventy-six point four. So, but we're certainly ahead of where we were this time last year with regard to our rainfall, which is always good news. Have you enjoyed the rain, Bob? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. My dam is half full, the first time in ten years. Wow, that's so. That's good. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're talking about. Uh, feeding our roses. Yes. Oh, first of all, we were talking about the apparatus for spraying. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, 
good apparatus, you've got to spend money. I was going to say, I struggle with that. Not to spend the money, but with your, just your basic spray bottles. I, oh, they always end up in the bin. They only last a little while and they're useless. Well, what do you recommend? Motorised ones yes. are the thing, way to go. Are they? Because mm-hmm. when you first start spraying, you're enthusiastic about it. But at the end, <laughs> yeah. you, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you skip a few yeah. things and then you haven't got control. It's, That's right. It's, it's, it's talking about controlling in your own garden. And if you don't have a motorised one, you have to have something that is either a, a knapsack or something like that that mm. you, you put in, um, you know, 14 or, or 20 um litres of, mm. of water. People are talking to me about spraying their garden with three litres of, of spray. Well, that doesn't work at all. Mm. I mean, just um, putting a bit on the top, it's not Nothing, the top, yeah. mm. it's the bottom where you've got mm. to start. So um, you can get motorised ones from some of the bigger places. Yeah. Yep. Um, and they're around about three hundred dollars, mm. but that that'll last you a lifetime, right? Okay, providing so it's a good you clean investment. it out. Yes, um, because some of the sprays are quite corrosive, mm. and you'll find that uh, when you go to use it, it's either blocked up or exactly. whatever. So mm. you've got to look after it. Using good apparatus, using the right amount of um, uh, spray, and you'll learn, you'll only have to do it. You know, a few times a year, but it's a must that we do spray correctly. You know, coronavirus is uh, something that it's the nineteenth coronavirus it didn't come out in two thousand nineteen. Um, thrip, this chili thrip, uh, obviously it must have attacked some chilies somewhere along the line and got the name chili thrip. Mm. So thrip's been around for years, and not to panic, make sure that you get it a good coverage on the ground and those plants immediately around your roses. So thrip and any any bug will fly. Yes. And it's the wind that blows them. That's normally, right. Mm-hmm. Normally thrip comes when the easterly winds start. So when it's, you know, say October, when the, the, the easterly wind starts, that's a warm wind and that's when they, they start mm-hmm. to hatch. Mm-hmm. And then they start moving and finding something to eat. Okay. Just on the note of the apparatus, I can just imagine we've got a lot of listeners out there that might only have 10 or so roses. So they wouldn't be interested in spending $300 on motorised equipment. I would imagine there are spray companies out there, horticulturalists or pest companies that would have the gear that would come in and And do do their gardens. Yeah. there probably are, but a lot of them aren't into things like home gardens. Um, you know, to spray your roses, you might be paying $5 per rose. So you're up to $50. Mm. That's a good roses. investment though, isn't it? Well, if you if you buy your own, mm. yep. um, then you've got it. You don't have to wait. True. And WA is wait a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And but it's the best state in the world. Sure is. Uh, but we we have to spend money to be able to control things. Yeah. And if you want a good garden, that's why gardens give up because they don't have success. Success is easy, providing you you follow the lines. You know, too many people interfere and tell you, oh, no, that's wrong, that's wrong. 
this is what you need to do. Mm. And this is where they all go wrong. What's, it, what it, what's in books, nine times out of ten, doesn't apply today. Mm. And I heard about the Yates. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's a, a very good guide. Yeah. But there are, you know, a lot of things are, you know, if you're not in the industry, mm. you you don't learn about all the new um, sprays and the new ways of doing things. Home gardeners are no different to, to a nursery person. Mm. They make a living out of you. You, the home gardener just enjoys the flowers and 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 the mental and physical side of of life. Mm. Now, Bob, for Mark, who's moving to dwelling up with his bags of roses, <laughs> I suggested that he wait and hear from you about what to put into a planting hole. All right. Um, so, Mark, uh, you've done the right thing, Mark. Um, I know Woolies bags uh, are reasonably strong, but be careful when you pick them up because you'll need to not allow the soil to, to fall off too much, especially if they've grown quite a bit. Um, so what you need to do is what Faye said, you know, um, put some um, potting mix. Potting I, mix? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're in potting mix in the bags and yeah. they're going into the ground. But you see, roots don't stay in that little area. And it all depends on what sort of ground you're putting in. If it's gravel, which normally um, in the hills it's gravel, or you're in a valley where there's loam, uh, you still put in potting mix because um, it's warmer and they'll get a better start by using a good quality potting mix. doesn't have to have the ticks. Um, uh, like everyone Ooh. tells you. <laughs> Controversial. Very, very controversial. Yeah. Um, but a slow release, slow release fertilizer, you need to put in a good handful at the bottom where you're going to put your bag of um, your rose mm -hmm. and uh, make sure that uh, the roots are sitting on top of it. Because what happens is lots of times it takes probably three months for them to get food again. So they're struggling. So that's why we eat three times a day. Mm. They, if they don't get to the food straight away, they start to struggle. So they mm. get stressed. So these roses that you, you, you're um, planting need to have food. Once the roots start to, to move, they mm. move into the slow release mm. and then they're fed and they get a great start. Yeah. And they'll need to be sprayed with some copper oxychloride, um, which I recommend. And I've changed the, the Rose Society's um, way of spraying, mm. and they're all using it. And they've told me that uh, they're having great success. But we need to use um, natural sprays mm. like copper and um, things like Mangazeb, which is uh, sulfur. They're two good sprays. So... Um, you need to do that once you've planted them. So what did you, you put, sorry, what did you put in the bottom of your planting holes when you started? I put a, a big handful. Yep. Probably about 75 grams of slow release. Okay. Mm. So I use a lot of slow release. So the plant will eat only what it wants. Mm. Top dressing, you might need to do that uh, later on. But I've, I've told the Rose Society um, that 
Um, now, um, the um, once it starts warming up, use slow release around the drip line. Yeah. And you use for, uh, hopefully, it's enough. Um, I know it's enough. Um, you use about 50 grams per hole and you have six holes. So there's 300 grams that you, you put around the drip line. So the drip line is after you've um, pruned, uh, it's normally around about the the outside of where you've pruned. So yeah. you, you, you put it down in with a, a, a broom handle or something that makes a hole. A dibber. A dibber. Mm-hmm. And, but it needs to be a big dibber, not a little one. Okay. You won't Bigger get, than a broom you, handle. You won't get 50 grams in. You need and you to, can put that all just in one hole? You put 50 grams in one hole. Oh. And you have six holes around oh, the drip okay. line. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, that so sounds So it ends better. up 300 grams. Yeah. We did, uh, we won an award uh, about 30 years ago for being the most innovative mm. uh, people um, with uh, the slow release mm. in, in the world, not just in WA. Mm. And we got an award, but when I separated... Mm. Um, that award went, so I don't know where it went, so I can't show you oh, that see. I'm telling you the truth. Okay. But it is. It, it, it's a very good product. All right, we're heading to Belcatta. We're talking about one of my faves, Wisteria. Gary, hi. Hi, Zay. How are you? Very good. Yeah. So I've got a, a friend who's got a Wisteria plant, which I uh, have, has not flowered. I'll just tell you the history behind it. They... Uh, he had it growing. It's about 40 years old, this plant. Uh, we had to knock his house down, so he dug it out, had a large root ball that he did, put it in a hessian bag, took it to his place where he was renting, watered it. It went well. It flowered, actually, while it was in the bag. So a year after he went back to his home, which was finished, he dug a nice hole, put manure in it, put the plant in it, uh, and it's now been in there for three years and it hasn't flowered. Mm-hmm. Each year he trims the actual vines back. What can he do to get it to flower or what we, What has he done wrong? I do wonder if yeah. he's pruning at the wrong time. Okay. So, and and that could, could be the thing. Uh, they would be flowering around springtime. Yep. So you would... So you wouldn't prune it now. You will just let it go. If he's trying to keep it in a certain uh, area, that yes, might be. Just, yep. Sorry. That, that sorry. might be the reason that he's cutting it back at a certain time when it has all that growth. He needs to really let it grow, allow it to flower, and then cut cut back after that. So, summertime okay. you'll get some whippy growth. You cut that back. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it should flower in spring, uh, coupled with um, a, a fertiliser that is for flowering and fruiting plants. So probably mm-hmm. the slow release, like Bob was talking about. Yes, I've, yes, I yeah, that. Yep, great. Right. Um, but it, it's very likely that he's pruning at the wrong time. Okay, dokes, because he's got it at the moment. He's got it on a trestle, uh, very similar to an umbrella. Yes. As such, uh, and that's I guess that's why he's trimming it back. So he's trimming it back at the wrong time of year. Okay. And then. he's he's that's cutting great. it back past where it's going to flower. 
jolly good. <laughs> that helps out tremendously. One yes. of my favourite plants as well. Oh, lovely. Right, thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. You're a great job, and I just love the show. Oh, thank you, Gary. It's my, it's my morning fix. Oh, good to hear. Right after my coffee. <laughs> good on you, Gary. Thank you so much. Thank Have a nice you. weekend. You, you too. too. Bye. Cheers for that. Bye-bye. Bye. And Linda Bentley called in and she wants to know, is there a smaller alternative spraying device for the elderly rather than the large knapsack device? Well, elderly shouldn't be trying to put on a knapsack on their back. Well. But these, the, the, if you're going to buy one of those pump-up ones, mm. you need to get something like at least 5 to 10 litres. Mm. In Be- size. In size, yeah. Yeah. Mainly because you're trying to get, uh, say, if it says 15 mils per litre, um, that's okay. But when it says two mils per litre, um, it's very difficult for mm. them to, to be able to do um, six mils. Sometimes it's under. Over doesn't really uh, cause a problem, but under does. Yeah, it's just because not it's not strength enough to, to kill whatever have any they're impact. trying to, to mm. kill. I think there's a business opportunity there. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me like that. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, there a yeah. lot of our listeners have got a few roses. Yeah. So, you know, it would be very handy if there were people in the area that are specialised and trained in spraying that can go in with the right equipment to do a few roses here and there for the older people. But that doesn't apply just for roses, Faye. No, of course not. Because you get all the other bugs on your vegetables and things Mm. and you need to have control. If you don't have control at the beginning, then they they become plague proportions Mm. and your poor next-door neighbours copying the whole lot. So that's where it happens. Where we are, we're out in the bush. Yeah. We don't get contamination. So mm. I don't spray, I spray very little. Yeah, very fortunate. Faye's in a similar situation. Yeah. Mm. So it, it's contaminated. This is why mm. the eastern states has got this corona. We haven't because we're spread out. Mm. We, and we've got a, a climate that is um, better suited to uh, not having coronavirus. Well, I like the sound of that. <laughs> well, we are the yeah. most isolated capital mm. city in the world, in and the world. sometimes it, it, it works it, in our favour. It certainly mm. has in this instance. Yes, yeah. And Peter of Bull Creek, uh, he does want the recipe again, so I think what we'll do is we might get John to post that uh, on a, onto the Curtain Radio Facebook page, or if unless you have a better suggestion, Faye. Fantastic idea, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. All right, we've got to have a short break. When we return, we are talking about the felt plant with Karen. Curtain Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. 23 minutes after nine, you are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio, Bob Melville, rose expert. Don't miss your opportunity to... Have your rose questions answered or any question, as a matter of fact, because Fayakara is also sitting opposite me. Let's head out to Queen's Park. Karen, good morning. Good morning, all. Um, I have got a question about the felt plant. Has any got anyone got one? It's a very strange plant. Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> um, it was very top-heavy. It had broken off uh, about half a year ago. Mm. And the bottom part is shooting again. I've rang in uh, already before about it once. But the top part was too beautiful, so I didn't throw it away. I just put it in the, in the shade on the ground. Mm. 
And now it it keeps on growing, yeah. even though it has no roots, nothing. It even started flowering now. The piece which is lying on the ground, the bigger part, mm. has got lots of leaves, and but no roots, nothing. I don't know what to do with it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, it's is flowering. It... I, I couldn't believe it. It's a flower stem, but it has no roots. I just lifted it up. It's just... Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Well, the thing about succulents is they store mm. energy in their leaves. So mm -hmm. is it putting on new growth, Karen? Yes, yes. Oh, that's... Is, mm. Well, it strange. will, It will, before too long, put down roots, I'm fairly sure. But it, the flowering part will be taking nutrient out of the plant, so I would probably mm -hmm. cut that off and just leave it where it is and take off any big leaves so it's not, um, it's not trying to take too much that it can't support. I'm sure it will put down roots before long. It's, it's, it's a trunk. The stem is lying parallel to the ground. So where would the shoots come up? Um, it actually it is lying on and partly uh, uh, on on some paving and and a bit on the soil. But there's it's nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, so I think shall, I, shall I just stick it in the ground with uh, with yes. the stem, or, or shall I take the the branches off? I mean, I can take the leaves yeah, off, but what about the branches? I feel so sorry. I don't want to throw it out and, and I want to um, try to rescue it somehow. Just put it in the ground. As it is. Yes. Even without roots, nothing. Yeah. Just put it in the ground again. Yeah, if you don't, it'll run out of energy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't even yeah. realize. I didn't think that it would grow. I just thought I, I, I leave it there and, and, and wait what's happening. But uh, I couldn't believe it, that it's flowering. I could. <laughs> that's how Mother Nature. It it's very starts strange. growing again. It falls on mm -hmm. the ground, hits the ground, gets roots, and then off it takes. Yeah, it's just that it hasn't got any roots, nothing. Absolutely no, not even a, 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 a tiny bit of root anywhere. No. Well, it will get roots if it wants to survive. And, and plants okay, are smarter than humans. I have it in the shade now. Before it was in part sun and shade. But shall I leave it in the shade as it is now? No, put it where it's happy. Put it out in the sun. If it was in sun before, put it mm -hmm. out in the sun. And if you don't, if you're not uh, sure about it, just throw some um, potting mix on top of it. It'll it'll get roots. Okay, I didn't I didn't think that it would. But if it yeah. uh, if you think it will, then uh, I want to save that bit because it looks nice. It's such a beautiful plant. Well, succulents are one of the easiest things That's to right. grow, Karen. So <laughs> I, you I got, think you'll be pretty I, safe. Have you got any I didn't weeds think it in was your a garden? Succulent because it has such felty leaves. So I thought the succulents are, yeah. have usually very very hard leaves, but these are it's hard, they're hard, but not not that hard and not uh, um, not smooth. So I, I didn't think that it was a succulent. So this is succulent. Yes, ah. it is. Yep. Okay, okay. Okay, okay great. Thanks, Thank you Karen. Much. Have a lovely day. <laughs> Thank Cheers. You. Bye. Cheers. And Bye. we're heading to Safety Bay, talking about correct pH in a veggie garden. Tanya, hello. Good morning, ladies. How are you? We're well. Thank you. Good. That's good. Um, I've got a problem with my veggie garden. Uh I've tested the whole area and it, it sort of it's probably about twenty four square meters or oh, twenty oh, quite a big garden anyway. And I've tested it all and the pH is about eight and a half. And I'm thinking, mm, that's a bit high. I'm just wondering is there an easy way that I can reduce it and make it a bit more neutral? 
Tanya, um, we've talked about your veggie garden before, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, you have. You're yeah. in Safety Bay. Was this yeah. in raised beds? Yes, that's right, yeah. And I also talked to you about my bore water. Maybe I should test that. But I haven't done it, but I haven't used the bore either. And I'm thinking with all this rain... What, what have you put in your raised beds? Because if you've brought soil in, I would not expect them to to have pH that high. Um, well, we brought soil in and then we've actually put uh, mushroom compost in right. and um, I actually use blood and bone a lot and I have actually put the dolomite in. I'm just wondering whether maybe I put in too much dolomite. Um well, can I let you? Oh. I'll, I'll let you know what you're doing wrong. You're putting too much alkaline type materials into your vegetable garden, so you I, want to know how to lower it. Yes, I want to know. Um, yeah. Well, what? What? The quickest what, way. The quickest way is is uh, sulfate of iron. Yeah. Is that a spray? We well, can use it as a spray. Yes. I'd rather but, not. Because I need to dilute it with water, and, and I can't. Uh, I'm 73 years old. I can't, you know, carry anything too heavy. So I can well, use. Well, the, the best way to do it is to stop using a mushroom compost and uh, no, all, the, all yeah. the lime um, type materials that you're putting on your garden. Yeah, I stopped using the dolomite. Um, what about the blood and bone? Is that, is that also very alkaline? No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't what be, else but, to put in? well, it's, I go, it's going to be a slow process. Um, vegetables for the human body is where you get your alkalinity, that, and that that's why you, you need to eat a lot of vegetables because eating meat, which is more on the acid side, it balances yeah. up. So you have to balance your soil up now. So yeah. You can you can get the um, sulfate of iron and as yeah. a, a, a as a powder, but you put yeah. it on very slowly. Otherwise, you'll burn everything. So, but, so you're just telling telling me I just put the powder directly dry on the soil. Yes. Okay. And, and, and then then you wash it in. Wash it in with some yep. water. With some with, with now, water. how much how much how much per meter would I? Is, is the directions on the packet, is it? Well, it's, it, it's like, well, it, it, it is and it isn't. But what you've got to remember is if, if your soil's so alkaline, you need to do it every fortnight and you put it on very lightly. Because, okay. Because um, it'll, it'll burn whatever uh, vegetables you've got. So you, you put it on okay. and your water is... Probably your biggest problem, because down Safety Bay, um, that's where um, most of the water that is there is running through limestone. Yeah, and but if I use if I use the tap water to water it in, that would actually be a bit better, wouldn't that's it? That's better, yes. But you see, yeah. most of your water, if it's bore water, will be yeah. probably b between ten and twelve on the scale. So, oh wow! So eight point. Uh, what happens is that um, alkalinity suppresses plant growth, doesn't allow yeah. it to take up the food. Yeah. 
So th that's one of the difficult things in Perth because we're on, on sandy soil. Um, yeah. And a lot of the problems arise from um, alkalinity. So don't okay. use those type. Mushroom compost is okay if your pH is around about the 6, but yours is 8.5, um, and that's starting to suppress your plant from, from taking up nutrients. Yeah, so, okay. So you can use things, um, um, liquid feed, which you can um, lower your pH um, as well as the sulphate of iron. But is there any... Okay, after I've used the sulphate of iron, so how long do I have to do this for? Or does my soil testing the soil tell no, me I should no, stop doing it? You'll need to do it until your pH comes down around about the 7, 7.5. Okay. So you only okay. got about one point to come down. Yeah. But that, right. that makes a difference. So what's what? Why why are you asking that question? Are your vegetables suffering? Some of them are, and some of them aren't. So are they going yellow? Are they? Yeah. Well, I yeah. beetroot and the carrots don't look too flash white, and yeah. I got a citrus tree in there that's not doing very good either. Yeah. But the broccoli and that that they, they seem to be all right, and the peas and the beans they seem to be all right. So, so um, but getting back to, so you recommend I do it that do it three times and then just test the soil. Well, you just you've got to keep doing it until you get your pH down. Okay. So that could take three months. Could take um, six months. Okay. So you're it's a gradual thing. You can't do it okay. because you'll you'll okay. burn everything. Okay. So fine. You, you want to eat your vegetables. Keep us yeah. posted, Tanya. Just one question before you go. What kind of manure do I put in the soil then? What sort what, of manure? Yeah, what kind of fertiliser? I mean... Um... <laughs> well, all, all vegetables are high nitrogen feeders. Yeah. So um, any all-purpose fertiliser will be okay. Okay. Your, your blood and bone is only around about four, and they bring the the the, the um, blood and bone up with urea. So blood and bone today isn't really blood and bone; it's a lot of fat, and bone, and grass. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's no blood at all. Okay. Thank you. Because it's just a name that's been carried on from hundred years ago. So anything with a lot of nitrogen you would suggest? Anything, any particular one would be the best? Oh, well, oh sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know that name brand. You could say. There's, could there's say. local. There's lo like Rich Grow and, and uh, Bailey's. They're yeah. two good products, all all okay. purpose. And you, okay. you, you can use it on all of your garden, not just your vegetable. Okay. So buy, it, buy it the biggest you can. Because then it works out a lot cheaper. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Just one other quick question. I have these brown, black furry caterpillars that are eating my flunes and that's a stub all day. Oh, if I can answer <laughs> that one. <laughs> they, they quite possibly are the tiger moth larva. So they will be very voracious feeders. Uh, magpies don't mind them. They, they bash them around on the ground to get their furs, fur off before they eat them. They will be around for a little while yet, so protect your 
precious plants, pick them off and get rid of them. When they're young, you can uh, spray something like Dipel and that will target the very young caterpillars but won't be so effective when they are older. And Dipel, of course, is organic, so you can spray it and still safe to eat your vegetables, but reapply after rain or irrigation because Dipel does wash off. Thank you. I prefer just to pick them up at end. Okay. Thanks, Good Tanya. Tanya. Thanks very much. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. That was one long phone call. Yes. Okay, well, we do have a couple of emails, so I'll knock them off, Ray. Uh, this is from Judy of Scarborough. She wants to know when is the best time to plant um, Sunshine Special Passion Fruit Vine, and I would say October. Mm. And John had a bit of a look around. He said Dawson's have them as well as Guildford Garden Centre. Okay. So plant plant them around October when it's warm. And Bob, are you of the same mind as I that you plant a liver under a passion fruit? Oh, you can plant a liver, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people will say it's an old wives' tale, but I, I just wouldn't plant a passion fruit without Ye- one. Years ago, you used to plant everything. Well, and you were mentioning was, this earlier, yeah, weren't you? talking about gardens in Perth, you know, um, 50, 60 years ago. They used to dig a hole, put all their tins and yeah. all their vegetables, a whole lot in the hole. And then, um, and we were talking about pH, um, too alkaline. Uh, the tins uh, bring your alkalinity down and the roots get around the tins and it's fine for probably 10 years. Mm. So you don't have that effect. So today, we've, if we want to do something, we want to do it today and not wait, you, you know, planning to do things 50 years ago was always on the cards. So, you know, using all, all your materials in, in, in the garden that go to the tip um, is vital. It doesn't have any effect on the water table. It doesn't have any effect on, on, on anything. So, but it has good qualities for your plants. Excellent. And all the labels and things have got trace elements, everything. So we unfortunately we find, oh, I find that a lot of people uh, uh, don't think that tin cans and all that, plastic doesn't work because it doesn't break down under mm. the ground. So would I be correct in thinking your green bin doesn't go out every week? Yeah. It doesn't go out every week? No, no. we don't have a green bin. Ah. Recycle. Yep. Good on you. Now, Neil has uh, sent in a message saying that we were talking about a ground cover that comes in many colours and he missed the name. Now, we were talking about Kalankoi mm. and there are, of course, many different ones. They're water-wise. There's fantastic native plants out there too. There is a plethora of things that can act as ground covers. And, Ray, today I just picked a couple of things out of the garden. Yes, talk about the um, little posy brought well, very, very cheerful. Well, the nasturtiums, which I know, mm. you know, some classify as a weed, but on the flip side, they're a fantastic ground cover plant. They suppress weeds. They're annuals. They're easy to pull out when the hot weather comes. In the meantime, they stop the wild oats from coming up. The leaves can make a pesto. They're very pretty. The flowers will turn into little uh, seeds yeah. that can be pickled as, as or like capers, mm. and they're very, very tasty. Lovely on pizzas, nice peppery flavour. 
Uh, of course, the, the daisies, which I don't know if they're weedy in your area, Bob. I know they can spread to bushland and they can take over a garden. But if yeah. you've got a patch, I would rather have these than wild oats popping up. Sure. So they are spreading in a couple of parts of my garden. And the butterflies just love them. The butterflies have been on the move this week. They make great landing pads. Of course, lavender, some of the bigger varieties, once again considered a weed. Uh, butterflies and bees and native insects love them. They're aromatic. They can be used in wardrobes to keep moths away. Mm. The stinging nettle we talked mm. about. John was telling me yesterday he... Uh, hangs up bunches of it in the chook house and it's working to keep the mosquitoes away. Is that so? So that was a tip mm. that came from Matt from Poland originally. Mm. So, yes, another use for stinging nettle. And John as in John Benesavich? Yes, the okay. John from Jandcott. Yeah. That's right. And the Fern Society meeting's on tomorrow, 2 o'clock at the Manning Senior Citizen Centre for anyone interested. Uh, I've also got a little iris here, the bearded iris. Mm. And yesterday we saw Lena. Her garden, the lake house, yes. will be open in October. Mm. And Bob's garden is going to be open in November. So if you like what you've heard and you want to see if the proof is really in the pudding, yes. get along to Bob's <laughs> garden and, and check it out and pick his brains. Thanks, bye. <laughs> All right, we'll be back in a moment. And I want to hear, Bob, uh, any new rose releases and some of your favourites as well and any, any great growing tips, little secrets that you'd like to share with us. Back shortly. And we've got a roughly how many minutes left of the show? About 17 minutes left of Let's Talk Gardening this morning. It's still time to get your gardening questions through to us on 94841927. And our special guest in the studio this morning is Rose Expert Bob Melville. Let's head to Stratton. We're saying hello to Shirley. Good morning. Oh, good morning, everyone. How are you? Really well. Good. Thank you. Oh, my God, a bit of sunshine. I know, it's lovely. Ah, uh, yes. I, I, I went out there this morning just to kill some snails, but I just got in to have my breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> I was thinking, I think my sugar levels are low. I better get inside of some of these. What I ran for was I was listening uh, about the compost and, and digging holes, and we all did grow up with our parents doing that, and I do it. And I was telling her to a horticulturist one day, she said, oh, perfect, because I, because of my age, I've got wear and tear of life. I can't have a compost bin to use a shovel to turn it over. So I just, I just dig holes and I put it all in, through my garden, front and back, and the garden scraps, and then I'll get some um, other compost bags of stuff from the uh, Green Life Soil Place, and I, I haven't got enough. And, and you know, the garden, just because it's coming from the hills where I downsized 18 years ago, and, of course, I'm used to just putting something in the ground and it grows. Mm. But when I came down here, it's been a big challenge. But that, that also, the, the garden's just beautiful. By I've got compost all through my garden. Shirley, what sort of garden have you got? What sort of plants are your favourites? Well, I don't have really a favourite plant. Oh, you're one like us. Like, You've oh, got I to have everything. No, I'm saying, no, saying that I do love lavenders. I have a lot of lavenders. Mm. <laughs> when I came here, it was just lawn front and back. So I got the children uh, to help me because I've got six of them. So I said, would you come here and help me demolish this front and back? And, which I did. So the front mainly all native. And I got a, 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 a brick company come in and, and do a cottage path for me. 
and then the boys put all these rocks around the edges for me and uh, then they asked the Shire to put a um, jacaranda in for me and I put gravel out the front in their Shire Verge. And I've got, I've got a mixture of everything. I've got things you eat through the garden. I've got plants. <laughs> and, and, and I have seen a huge difference by not only the sort of soil and bags of poo I've bought also to help this soil, but the compost. Yeah, It's just so rich. I've just had one of my sons come and put a um, native fruit tree in the corner of my back, and he said, Mum, look at these worms. I said, I know, it's all that compost that's been in there. Oh, fantastic, That's a great Shirley. story, Shirley. Thank you. Ooh, yeah, thank you very much. Bye. Okay. Bye. Have a lovely day when you get home, all of you. We yes. shall. Thank you, Shirley. Yeah, no, that's it's lovely of Shirley to share that. Now, let's talk about stinging nettles. Linda, good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the stinging nettles. I've got some here, and I heard on the radio, it was a British program, to do with stinging nettles and drying them and using them in your food. And I wondered, are they the same ones, that? and can we do that here? Are they non-toxic? Yes, yes, we certainly can. They make a lovely pesto, Linda. I... It was a few years ago now, but I picked up an early batch, steamed them up, uh, made made a pesto and put them through a pasta and it was delicious. Because I, I was trying to get rid of them and then I heard about, this is a few years ago, mm. and then I heard this and I thought, oh, oh, so I've been saving them. Well, and they're and, highly nutritious as well. And mm. oh, there's, if you start Googling stinging nettles, you can find a dozen uses for them. I know Stephanie Alexander was encouraging uh, the schools through her kitchen garden program to have patches of nettles because that's how she grew up. They, you know, it was a food. Nothing yeah. was a weed. They make Everything, the soup, oh, don't they? Uh, mm. There's soup, there's yeah. tea, uh, there's pizza, mm. there's the... Is it spatacotta, the Greek... Greens and phyllo pastry. That no, sounds oh, yeah, good. I know. Spanakotta. Yeah. And you can you can use weeds and spinach and anything green that's edible. Well, I just wondered if they're the same plant, because sometimes you have the same label for different sorts of plants, and I wondered if they were the, the correct Well, it's, it will be a good idea to get it verified that what you're thinking is stinging nettle is actually well, so. It does sting a bit and it's got serrated leaves and it looks okay. like it. Okay. It, it sounds like it. But like with all things, if you don't know, check with someone who yeah, knows. Don't it's take a it's like fungi. If you mm. have to ask, you need yeah. to ask someone who knows. Yeah, I just wondered who would you ask? Good question. Well, <laughs> I, I could tell it. you if I saw it. Just try it. Ask, ar- ask around. It won't kill you. Well, you don't know that, Bob. <laughs> I, I can't right. be telling my listeners that. Can't you? Um, we'll catch up where, somewhere, Linda. Come to one of the open gardens, bring it along, and I can guarantee there'll be a dozen people that know. Okay? Okay. All right. Okay. We'll see you there. Right. Thank <laughs> All right. you. Bye. Thanks, Thank Linda. You. Bye. You're very naughty, Bob. I like that about you. <laughs> and Graham Cannington likes you as well. He's thoroughly enjoyed this morning's informative show with Bob. Excellent. Thanks, Graham. You're a good mate. <laughs> and let's talk about a dragon tree. Love these. Denise, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Denise. How can we help you? Look, I've purchased this house recently and it's got a two and a half metre dragon tree 
about one metre away from the back of the house and it's all the tiles are coming up. This tree is beautiful. It's got seven heads on it. Wow. And I'm wondering what I can do with it. It needs to go because it's too close to the house. Right. Well, I'm sure that someone would pay you good money and take that away for you. Really? Mm, I think so. I, and perhaps you could contact Darren Senor from Garden Solutions he is the oh, yes. president of the nursery industry, or no, the landscape, landscaping. Landscaping. landscape industry. Uh, yes. If he can't help you, I'm sure he can point, point you in the direction of someone who can. Tell me his name again, please. Darren Senor from Garden yeah. Solutions. Garden Solutions. Okay, thank you very much. You're Good welcome. Luck with that. Thanks, Denise. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Okay, and we'll be back in a moment. Radio. Straight back out to the lines, you are listening to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm going to go to Bruce in Bentley, and he'd like to have a chat with you, Bob. Bruce, good morning. Good morning. Great. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Bob. I didn't quite get the other product to use with the success for the chili strip. The other product? Congard. It's called... Congard. Yes. Yeah, Congard. And uh, five mil per litre. No, just look on the the uh, directions. The five, yeah. That the five mils per liter is the washing up detergent. Oh, okay, okay, all right. So very important to put that washing. It is uh, very, very important. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Congard. Look, thank you very much for that. You're very welcome, Bruce. Thank you. And good success with uh, your spraying. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Cheers for that. Bye-bye. And let's head to Mundaring, saying good morning to Margaret. How's it going, Marg? Oh, good morning, everybody. May I say to Bob, thank you very much for your time to come and talk to us, Bob, because your information is so valuable. Oh, thank you. So interesting. So Uh, I'd just like to clear up a query regarding moving the rose. Yes. Um, I gather you were talking about spraying it with the copy... Copper spray, Yes. Uh, once you put it in the new hole, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Yep, okay. It just sounds very interesting. So is it? Um, is there a sort of a limit to how long um, a rose, depending on um, the ch- a position, it w- if it stayed in the bag, in the temporary bag for up to six months? It can do, that but... Be a problem? The problem will be that the bag will disintegrate. Yeah. Okay. So if you get some of those um, bags that uh, that we use in the nursery industry, they'll last there for quite a few years. Oh, good, good. So, you know, transplanting a rose is very simple. Oh, so I'd... it's like that bag that one can buy a fruit tree. Yes. Yes. They're very sturdy, aren't they? That's a fantastic idea. Well, if I want to dig out a rose in, say, the middle of summer, I just dig it out, cut it back um, probably 95%, leave 5%, and then I just um, put it in a pot or bag and uh, keep it under a tree, and within six weeks it's away and growing. So it's very simple. Yes, that sounds great. Thank you very much. 
but with standards and things like that, you, with any any transplant, um, as far as any bush or rose, right, you, you need to cut most of the top back because you've cut most of the roots off, so it can't feed itself. No, so then it 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 dies. Yeah. So you know there are some plants that you don't have to do that, but uh, they'll just grow like succulents. Yes. Yeah. Just check them yeah, on I the got ground. your notes about the um, the the holes around the drip line. Yeah. Once you put it in the new ground. Yeah. It, for it, example. It work, slow release is very good because it'll only eat what it needs. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Margaret. We have to move on, on now. Thank yeah. you so much. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you. And let's head to Hazelmere. We're talking about a Chinese elm tree. Bruce, how, how are you going? Oh, very well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I don't have a question about roses. It's my Chinese elm tree. It, uh, the last couple of years, the foliage has become very sparse on it. It used to be, you know, it's been there probably 50 years, I suppose, but it used to be very uh, very shady, but now it, uh, now it doesn't have as much on it. Just for the last couple of years, I was wondering if you... Got any hints on that? What What's happening around the roots, Bruce? Um, not much, really. I've, I've uh, I haven't fertilised it. I'm not sure what to do there. Uh, I, I would think block underneath it, but that's about it. No, I just think a, a tree that's that that old um, should be be looking after itself. They, you know, they're yeah. usually well established, and unless there has been changes to the area, if there's been any uh, paving or root disturbance that can have no. an impact? Has the watering no. changed? Well, it, it did uh, for probably four or five years ago. It dropped a couple of branches in the middle of summer and it was very dry, so I started watering it after that okay. uh, with, with the bore, keeping I the think, sprinkle on it every now and then. I think there's something significant about why it might have dropped branches. So it it does sound like the tree is in decline. In decline, yeah. and I suspect the best thing you could probably do is get an arborist. There might be something more going on with that. Okay, then. Okay. Thanks for your call. I'm professional. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Well, (laughs) but what I mean is they can actually look at the tree and inspect for um, something happening in the crown or the roots on site. Before you go, Bruce. Yep. Get get a big bag of sheep manure or two, and put underneath yep. it, and give it a good water. It's lacking. Okay. It, it sounds like it's lacking food and water. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I've been given it plenty of water, so yeah, I guess so, it's just food. But you need some food. Yeah. Bit okay. Like yourself, if you don't eat, <laughs> you die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much for the help. You're welcome. Thanks, Bye-bye. Bruce. Cheers for that. Okay. Bye. Okay. All right, we've got a few emails. We're not going to get through them all, unfortunately. So I'll just acknowledge these ones that we can follow up with next week. Sure. Jessica about Grevilleas dying, Andrea P. Wisteria, and she suggests a, uh, one for a small space is an American hybrid called Amethyst Falls, and that's a very small grower. Mm. Uh, Debbie of Brentwood has brown flower beetles, so we'll talk more about that next week. Karen from Lansdale, Nissa about a, about snotty gobble seeds and Chris with a weed query. But this one, Alex has sent us in photos. He's from Edgewater 
and a rose which is doing poorly and constantly has black spots which end up causing the stem to die back to to other parts of the roses. So, Bob, you've got the photo there. Well, I you can't I can't see it that that well, but if you've brought I don't know how old it is, and if you've brought it from um, one of the big mobs, um, it'll normally be on the wrong rootstock. But if you like, join the Rose Society and we'll give you the right information. So, what was his name? That that was Alex. Alex. And you suggested uh, pruning. So it needs some better pruning to remove the old growth. And, of course, the Rose Society do demonstrations and they meet on the third Tuesday of every month at the... South Perth Civic Centre. There you go. But um, we do workshops. So if you're interested, um, we do workshops at my place and that's where you learn most of your learning. So... Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming in today. I'd love to have you back again. I think listeners enjoy your down-to-earth approach. No no <laughs> nonsense about our Bob Melville. And thanks. Was, thank you very much. I was very quiet today. <laughs> you were well-behaved. You were very, you. very reined in. Look, thanking thank the gardening team and Faya Caro. Coming up, George Minoldi with the classic 60s. And my gardenism for the morning is, the older I grow, the more do I love spring and spring flowers. Is it so with you? Okay, now tomorrow is Father's Day. For those of us out there that still have fathers, a huge happy Father's Day. And in particular to my own uh, dad, love him very much. Tom Shaw, thank you for everything you do, Dad. And happy gardening to everybody and do enjoy Father's Day and enjoy uh, this magnificent weather. Take care and we'll catch you next week. Cheers for now. Yeah, bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.